You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Chicago Bears fall to the Arizona Cardinals 33-22 in not the greatest game in the world, dropping the record to 4-8. and eight. I bring on my Rule of Three co-host, Danny Meehan, to help me talk through the ups and the downs of the game, as well as the Chicago Bears season so far, on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And I'm coming at you live right after the Bears lose at home, now their sixth loss in seven games, to the Arizona Cardinals, a 9-2 and team coming into Soldier Field in the midst of bear weather, beating the Bears a sound... 30-something to 22. Was it 34 to 22? 33 to 32? 34 34. Thank 32. you, Dan. Yes. I suddenly, like you yeah, know, floofing the, the, floofing the you know, box it, score it's, is... It's a game you want to forget. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, whatever it was, it was it was a lot to more than I expected. 33-22. And as you can hear, I'm joined by Dan Danny Meehan, my Rule of Three co-host, which we will spin back up in the offseason, we promise. Danny, how you doing? Uh, we're all good, man. Like like you kind of alluded to, Rule of Three's been a little bit put on the back burner, mainly because of my whole thing. I'm getting married. Our wedding is in six days. Go Congrats. me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a fun time, but no one ever tells you. No matter how done you think you are with planning, there's always more to plan and do. So all the way till the day That's of. been taking up a lot of my time on top of my full-time career with the uh, fire department, and I, you know, I've been washing windows and cleaning gutters on the side to help fund the wedding, so... <laughs> I'm not quite doing much at home outside of sleep. Well, catch what I'm saying. Oh, and if it helps, Danny, it's not like we're missing much of a season here as the Bears continue to seem to march down the staircase towards problematic areas. I I don't know. The trouble with this game is, at least it felt to me, right? Like Dalton came out and the Bears ran the ball. They didn't pick up any yards. They ran the ball again. They picked up four yards, memory serves, which second and ten run pushes the Bears to third and long. Talked about it a lot this season. They seem to keep doing it. And then Dalton throws the ball behind Jakeem Grant on a wide open crossing route. It's tipped, falls into the Cardinals' hands. And I don't know what you were thinking at that point, Danny, but this was pretty much how I envisioned it. I mean, not not to the specifics, but the Bears coming out, sputtering on offense, immediately giving the keys to the car to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals taking it and driving it, which turned into a 21-yard beautiful throw uh, for a touchdown on fourth and three by Kyler Murray. I mean, it was the start to the game I, I kind of expected. What about you? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny that they're playing the Cardinals team 15 years after the Bears went to the Super Bowl, and <laughs> what are we talking about? Like the Denny Green rant of the Bears are who we thought they were? Well, kind of that sentiment kind of still applies, no? The Bears are <laughs> kind of who we thought they were. Yep. They're not a good team. The The offense, much to Hub, Hub Arkish's dismay, is not better with Andy Dalton, and I think it's funny that we saw a good percentage of Bears Twitter and other people like Benjamin Albright saying how the offense is so much better when Andy Dalton plays. The offense is a little more efficient, but it's also a lot more safe and easy to kind of game plan against because Andy Dalton, for the lack for lack of a better term, is still Andy Dalton. You know, he's I, soft, solid, if not spectacular, if not unspectacular. I think it's hilarious that everybody keeps calling the Andy Dalton offense safe because at least based on what I saw, he could have thrown as many as four interceptions if Detroit got their hands on everything. Yeah, I think, I think it's more the uh, play calling. Right. And it's easy to game plan against. Oh, I get you. It looks like the Brian Hoyer yeah. offense. It looks like what the Nick Foles offense was probably should have been. You know, like standard right. Bears, like tall, not all that mobile offense that we've seen run since Tressman. 
right? But this was, I mean, so Andy comes off of a game in Detroit, 300 yards, that, especially on second watch, was not near as pretty as I know I thought it looked on the initial Thanksgiving watch through. Comes into this game at home in the midst of bare weather, and oh my gosh, this was not good, you know? Like, 200 yards and two touchdowns and a two-point conversion don't erase the damage that four interceptions all across the field, three of which were on, at least in some degree, on him. I think the one where Cole Komet, uh, you know, dropped the ball straight into Buda Baker's hands probably doesn't count on Andy Dalton. At least, I don't think it should, right? But... Nevertheless, no, I mean, but that's that's another thing, you know, talent evaluation of this regime and Cole Komet still isn't any good, but, you know, at least he's got the, that thing going from review. He's probably likely the most handsome backup tight end in football. You know, good for him. <laughs> I like, feel like I feel like the Cole Komet dialogue is so tough because this is the kind of game just to call it out. Right. I've I've been more positive than some on commit and I think I can stay that way I don't need to be reactionary because the trouble is Danny there aren't that many great tight ends in the NFL which is not to prop no, up not. Kmet. it's like if Kmet can get a nose for finding zones and become a better blocker because he's somewhat young then he'll have a place in the NFL to where you called him a backup I mean maybe he'd back up one of the really good tight ends, but there's not 32 quality receiving tight ends. And in an offense, that's not going to break 3,500 yards. He's probably going to catch 500, but the Tampa Bay drop hurts. This drop hurt a lot. Like there are enough of these plays that Cole's piling up where you go, Oh, Oh, we can't, we can't be doing that. And like you say, definitely a clunker from 85's part, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not great. I mean, the whole, but, it shouldn't be a shock. The whole team isn't good or great. Like the the what's the silver lining of the team this year, Rob? Robert, it's Fields. It's Rob. It's Robert Quinn probably having the second best season of his life. Oh at yeah, thirty two years old. Like it, I, I would say Roquan, but we kind of know that Roquan's a star, right? But that play he as had we talked about on the show as much as I like linebackers and I think linebackers matter more, especially in the vein of him and Fred Warner and all those kind of players, they matter in today's NFL, but they don't change games. Somebody not did anymore. say it in the comments. We can't not mention silver linings without talking about Montgomery at the very least. I mean, I guess running back, but he is running his butt off this season. You know, he's good. He is legitimately very good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just awesome. <laughs> I I don't know where to go with that. Like Montgomery is good, sweet. What did it get you? It got you twenty two points. Uh, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that top level view, right? It's the part where suddenly, I don't know about you. I felt like the Cardinals didn't play particularly well. Like they made plays they when they Ky- needed to. Kyler and Kyler Murray couldn't hold on to the football. Right. Like, the the ball is coming out wobbly all game, and you still couldn't do it. And you kind of alluded to it, I want to say it was pre-show, Robert, that this team was making business decisions. They weren't out there putting their bodies on the line, saying Eddie Jackson on one goal line hit. Jalen Johnson made one. You know, it's they, – they, they know the writing is on the wall. Like, this shouldn't be something that's surprising to anyone. Like, I'm not saying they're going to lay down and quit like they did for Tressman, where there was complete, a complete uprising, because I don't think that Negi has that level of disrespect in that locker room. I just think we kind of know what this is. Yeah. Like, we, we know where this is leading, and we also kind of get the feeling that the guy that hired the head coach is kind of trying to distance himself from the head coach with all those things coming out. So it is what it is. The game, like you said, scratch, and that's with the Cardinals not playing well. That's with a nicked up and te- got nicked up and beaten down a little bit. Kyler DeAndre coming back after missing a week or so, or right. So, I mean, what were we really supposed to expect? Did anyone really expect the Bears to come out and really – 
you know, win one for the Gipper kind of thing and really try to put them into the hunt, as it were, for a playoff spot. Right. And I think what hurts me the most, Danny, about thinking about it this way is, okay, so sure, the Bears came in 4-7, and seven, technically one game out of the playoffs because the playoff hunt in the NFC for the seventh seed is just a mess. And I think we can call it that without, you know, lying, right? And on one hand, Danny, if I wanted to be a real sunshine pumper, right, I could say, okay, well, the Bears did put up 22 points against the Arizona Cardinals, and they ended up losing by less than two scores down Allen Robinson, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and a host of other players. I mean, they were down their wide receiver one, their wide receiver three, and so on and so forth. Oh, also quarterback one, of course. The trouble here is, for me anyways, when you look at a lot of the guys that are out, most of them aren't slated to even be on the team next year. It's not like the Bears were down a bunch of key pieces, right? Because while they're key to this year, this year's probably over. If if it wasn't already over, right, when they lost to UDFA quarterback Tyler Huntley, it probably ended today, and if not, it'll probably end next week. Like, officially, right? Allen Robinson is on the tag. I don't see him and the Bears seeing eye to eye. I don't know about you. And, and with Robinson, to be truthful, doesn't it feel like they've almost just phased him out and just force-fed Mooney? It like, kind of seems like it. And sometimes that's good. I mean, he had 120 yards two weeks back-to-back. It's not like Mooney's a poor player. And then today, he dropped an, or he dropped a ball that was a curl over the middle that was somewhat contested. Sure, 100%. You would hope he'd catch it. And it bounced off his hands for yet another near interception. Interception. Like, Dalton could have thrown... Six today, if Arizona caught everything, he's lucky they only caught four. I don't want to say lucky, actually, because they picked off quite a few. But this was this was a game that really left us with not a ton of positives to talk about. Like, we had Monty, obviously, but even from just this game's perspective, let alone the season's perspective, Fields didn't play. We saw, yeah. we saw Dalton. Dalton did not look like the full-year starter that I think he was billed as in free agency. I mean, imagine this team, if Pace's plan to start Dalton all year and try to make the playoffs hadn't had happened without Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say. And I, I do kind of want to touch on something you brought up right when we brought the game up. This idea of coming into bear weather. <laughs> I kind of hate that term, bear weather, because, frankly, in my life, like, the bear weather thing happened in the mid-'80s with the with the real monsters of the midway and guys like Dent and Hampton and Singletary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Bears don't typically win in bear weather. Like, so I, I need that adage to stop of these teams coming into the sh- cold, gusty Chicago winters. And, oh, my God, bear weather is so good. The Bears don't win in bear weather. <laughs> You can start talking about it when it happens, but it's yet another team from a warm climate with a mobile small quarterback and a team based on a passing attack, not a running attack, coming in and beating you in your home turf in your weather, in your home stadium. I know that years a few years back on one of the local state radio sports talk here in Chicago, some guy did a whole breakdown of the Bears are, I, I want to say, like the past three decades under 500 in what in like quote unquote bear weather. So it's just something that I heard you say and I just kinda wanted to bring it up. No, I mean pick on it all you want. It funny. It's so funny though, because it's not like the Bears over the past three decades have been have they been over five hundred in general? Like the other trouble like No, so, because they're not a good football team. Right. They're not a good organization. The last big bear weather victory that I can remember was 2013. It was a December game at home, obviously, against the Dallas Cowboys, where Josh McCown and uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall just lit up Tony Romo and the boys. And that was eight years ago. And since then, uh, oof, I, I can't remember another big one. I mean... There were some close-ish games. Like, we hosted the Packers at one point. Leonard uh, Leonard Floyd forced a fumble, scored a touchdown off of it. But, like you're saying, I mean, I think the bear weather thing's more of a meme at this point than it is real results, you know? Well, just like the, you know, it's kind of like everything else with this organization has become a meme. The coach is a meme. 
the GM's a meme. The idea that bear weather is real as a meme the hell even the bears packers rivalry at this point is a meme you have to win once in a while for it to be a freaking rivalry right like it i'm, I'm sorry i'm just i'm kind <laughs> of apathetic right now towards the team in general i, I just want well, i'm ready to see new leadership i'm ready to see just a just finally change it feels like no matter who this damn organization hires and do, or what they do it feels like it's the same song and dance over and over and over again Yep. I mean, if there's one positivity thing we can take from this game, right? I know coming into it, I hit the point where I wasn't hoping for a win. I don't know I don't know what you were looking for. But No, no, I, I actually wanted them to get absolutely bombshelled. Do you think they did? I think they looked terrible. I think <laughs> I mean it really looked like to me at a certain point that Arizona kinda of took the foot off the gas. When was they that point to you? After they went up fourteen. Honestly, <laughs> I can't help but agree. I mean, I can't tell. Honestly, I'll have to go back and watch the game again, you know? But Dalton yeah, throws a pick. That's exactly what it requires. But first blush, this is an instant reaction, right? If, yep. Like, I was watching the game with my fiance. The second they went up 14, I looked at her. I go, it's over. Dalton Dalton throws a she pick goes, what you, what? on the first drive. Yeah. They score. Dalton throws a pick on the second drive. They score. They score. And since then, from there, I'm pretty sure they started basically playing, like, Two high shells with the occasional one high cover three where they try to load the box and stop a run because the Bears running game actually got going. I mean, I don't know. I don't have the yards handy to where we could say exactly how many Monty picked up, but the Bears were kind of chugging along on the ground and picking up yards on the inside off interior slants, etc., etc. And the Cardinals would just wait for them to give them the ball back, you know, because they would. It was a matter of time. Suddenly it was 14 to 7. Then it was twenty-one to seven. Then it was, did did it become four? It was twenty-four to fourteen. After that, it it looks maybe like the Bears put up a better fight than I think anybody watching the game feels like they did. You know what uh, I mean? Just quick glance at the box score. Yes, I do know what you mean. I, just because I was kind of curious, uh, Monty went for one hundred and forty-one total combined yards. There you go. But this, looking at this, who was the Bears' leading receiver today? Do you know? Was it Montgomery? It was Jakeem Grant with 62 whole yards. There you go. <laughs> Further indictment on this damn offense. Your leading receiver in a 2021 NFL football game isn't approaching 70 yards. Man, every time I watch Jakeem Grant touch the ball, I'm excited he did. Like, I don't want to turn this into a Jakeem Grant love session, but for all of oh, his... Oh, we can do that if you want. Jakeem, I am Jakeem Grant stand number one. That's my guy. <laughs> I love quick twitch speed, guys, you know? And Jakeem Grant really is the oh, kind of so man. Oh, there's so much fun. He can, take yeah. a, he can take a ball from four yards behind the line of scrimmage and pick up 15 before you realize he did. He's just quick. I like it. But it's not like Nagy got him going. I mean, it's a midseason trade, so maybe there's something to that because, you know, this offense, it takes two years to learn, Danny. It takes it takes a long time to learn that Nagy just, offense. Just year, but we're in year four of it. Don't worry. Oh, it's coming. The turnaround's... Ugh. All jokes aside, I know I sit here, <laughs> right? I sit here hoping that this helped provide the Bears answers. Because I don't know what else George needs. I mean, these are the moments where I look back and I say to myself, Okay, George, they lost six games in a row last year. Like, what are we waiting for? Are we and waiting? they're what? Lost, they've lost five of their last six right now, and it's likely going to be the next six of seven when they lose to the Green Bay next week? Six of their last seven already. It'll be seven of their last seven eight. Seven of eight? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I was one off, man. Oh, yeah. It went downhill <laughs> from three and two after the Raiders game. That's for sure. But, I mean, it's funny, though, because we look at the rest of the schedule. Are the Vikings going to beat them twice? I don't believe in the Purple Peel leaders <laughs> enough to say that. Like, well, the Bears win both games. I don't believe in the Bears enough to say that. But the the Vikings just got off. Like, the most positive thing that I think we saw today was that the Vikings lost to the Lions, who are now 1-10-1, on the last play of the game. Did you see it, Danny? Fourth and two? I I saw it. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I saw it. That's, uh, that's special right there. Right. I mean, 
truly the weird position that I think this puts Bears fans in. And it kind of sounds like you and I are trying to process through this feeling without saying it out loud, right? Is we're reacting to a game in which most of the snaps were taken up by players that won't be with the Bears next year. I mean, if assuming they cut Eddie Goldman, which I feel like the writing's on the wall there, right? The yeah. players yeah, that Eddie, we... for as much as much flack as I gave our other co-host on the Rule of Three, Brandon, Eddie Goldman has not showed up this year. Not in the way I would have hoped. Right. He's I'm... fine, but he's not that dominant nose tackle that he was for a couple of seasons when he right just before, just after that extension. Right. So assuming that the Bears cut him for cap relief, that means that most of the players that the Bears had out today for injury, besides Justin Fields, aren't part of the team's future plans. The corners that we're watching play, like Artie Burns and Xavier Crawford and other notable names, aren't part of the Bears' future. So you just end up feeling like you're watching a team that's throwing to Demir Bird and Rodney Adams, who dropped his first career target on one of truly the easiest targets that I think you could have given him. Uh, and Bears fans in shambles. We're, we're watching a quarterback play that isn't on the team next year, unless he gets extended in Andy Dalton, who took a beating today, not just in the score sheet, but it looked to me like they asked him to play through a potential hurt shoulder. I, I don't know. I'm not pro football doc, but there was a sack there in, what was it, like the mid-third yeah, quarter? Yeah, he, he like leaned into it because he saw it coming to try to brace for impact, and I think he hurt his shoulder a little bit. He threw an interception on the next play, is I all I know, off a tip ball. I know you and I, are, in a sense, we were kind of going back and forth on our group chat, and uh, I said, that hurt, and you immediately said, Dalton looks hurt. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. I'm not the only one who saw him. Like It looked like almost like he bruised his shoulder like because he just didn't pick up his arm. Right. Like He's just like, that hurts. I mean, yeah. But all all of this life. all of this is what makes this game so hard to instant react to because a good team a nine and two team walked into chicago and walked out with what felt like a chalk win you know and uh and and what is there to say right we can't talk about the future because the future didn't play down. yeah tevin jenkins did not play i don't know if he's ready to and, like and that's where that that's <laughs> Well, that's an indictment in and of itself again on Jenkins. I hope he's great, but I've got way more questions than I have answers in regards to him. But um, that's where I'm kind of at, like, with – and mind you, I've been on the fire Nagy thing since probably end of last year when they probably done it, when they should have probably done it, rather. But what are they gaining by playing guys like Andy Dalton? And even – like, as much as I love Jakeem Grant, Jakeem Grant's not a part of this future. Wouldn't it just make more sense to fire them right now, rip the Band-Aid off, and just see who's who and who's worth keeping around? Like, play the kids? Like, what is what does Matt Nagy throwing Andy Dalton out there and calling mesh and curls every play going to prove to anybody? It's a legitimate wondering I have. Because... Neggy's not here. Pace, we still don't know. The jury is out. He probably shouldn't be here if you look at his collective. But it would just—it might even just behoove Ryan more to play the kids and see what they have and get rid of the coach you're trying to distance yourself from. Like I, I'm trying to think about this logically in the moment, but there's really no good way to look at this. Not this game. <laughs> not this team right now, right? No, not especially because the most important guy in house all was in a winter coat on the sideline. Yep. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think I think what drives me nuts, right? I, I don't... So talking about the playoffs, Danny, because somebody said in the chat, they're talking about how does it not mean anything that the Bears still end up close in these football games, right? And I totally get that. No. Like, I, I totally get no. where they're coming from, though. That this isn't one of the worst teams in football because the bad ones are like really, really bad. And to be a wild card team might not. I mean, it doesn't look that hard this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, all you got to get you, but then you got, but you got to look at the roster as a collective, right? The roster is old. Moral victories don't matter. I think that's they're, fair. They're a, the good teams win. 
bad teams lose. The Bears are at the lower end of the middle blob with an old, declining roster. Stop pining for moral victories. You want moral victories? Go watch a different sport. There's only 17 of these games every year. At a certain point, shut up about moral victories. Go win a damn game. Because that's all I've heard now for three years since that playoff run was, we're coming together as a team. We're, we're doing this. We're doing that. We're, we're really growing as a locker room. To what? You've gotten worse literally every year since the playoff year. Like, I, I, I don't know what else we're supposed Why? When are, when are we as a fan base going to hold the organization to a standard of excellence? This is one of the preeminent founding franchises of the NFL. Treat them as such. Like, I'm just so over this moral victory thing because it's all I've heard my whole life. I'm 31 years old. I've seen, I think, five or six playoff appearances in my life. Like, at what point does it just stop? Like, expect excellence. Demand it. Sorry, I'm getting on my soapbox now because I'm just so tired of this moral victory thing. (laughs) And I think it's more a or a a hope that things could turn around next year with better coaching. That if you took pieces of the same roster, but added the a roster little spice. lacks depth, Robert. Oh, I know. It lacks depth. It lacks picks. It lacks really everything you need to build a good team with a quarterback on a rookie contract. I, I mean, I, I I would venture a guess, and I, I think we actually said it last year. They were they're much closer to ripping this thing all the way down to the studs than they are winning a damn thing. And obviously that all changes if Justin Fields is who I think he is. If Justin Fields is the guy I think he is, they're much closer, much faster. But that also means Tevin Jenkins has to be awesome. And Larry Borum better be a lot better than I think he is. What do you think he is? I think he's a rotational offensive lineman on a good team. You know, I, until further notice, like he's looked fine in comparison to guys like, I don't know, Jermaine Fady, who was terrible. But I, I and I'm not do. I, I want to make make it very clear. I'm not saying I think Larry Borum is bad at football. I think Larry Borum is a fifth round pick who's got expectations that are putting him in Canton already, and it's ridiculous. Robert, if I told you you took a fifth round player from Mizzou who was an out-of-shape offensive tackle, and he became a four-year backup offensive guard, what would you say? Oh, I, I, I guess backup – I mean, I would say that was normal, right? Like, fifth-round sure, pick? What, that's his expectation. So I just – I just want – I guess I'm just really unsure of how we got to this point where we put – like, and I'm – and I know I've probably got a reputation of not liking Darnell Mooney. No, I just want eventually guys to make plays. Case in point, catch the ball over the middle. Oh, uh, like, Darnell Mooney in that case? Yeah, like, yeah. And I like Darnell. Darnell's got a very solid NFL wide receiver. But the way sometimes I see him talked about is like, what? <laughs> How good do we think he is? Like, and that and that's just that's just something I've noticed a lot recently over the past couple seasons. And I think it's because this roster does lack so much talent that when you see someone who who pops a little bit, you cling to it and you hold on to it. Right. For dear life. No, I get you're, you. You're so, yeah, so, but basically that's what I'm saying. If if you're both your tackle picks this year and Justin Fields are what what we as fans think they can be, you're in a lot better shape much faster. But... What are the odds of hitting on a quarterback in both tackles in the same draft? It's funny, though, because, you know, I'm actually... Okay, so, like you're saying, I always feel like there's a problem with expectations surrounding this team, right? You say, like, if I said to you, Danny, hey, I think Kmet's getting better at sniffing out holes in zones. Like, sure, so a lot of his yardage is just him running wide the heck open, and it's not like he's generating crazy separation on man routes, but... Jason Witten was not some magic separator, you know? It's not like Jason, they called Jason Sweet Feet Witten or something like that. There is a path to tight ends that block 
fine. Get open where they can get open and rely on basically the receiving talent around them to generate space. Now, you oh, say sure. that. You say that about Komet, right? And sure. one side goes, no, nah, I think he's going to be Zach Ertz. I think he's going to be Travis Kelsey. And the other side goes, he's a bust. <laughs> it's that middle level of expectations, right, that gets so tough. Because like you're saying, I mean, right. I think I think Borum's ceiling right now, like where Borum projects the more I watch him is, um, is Charles Leno. Like – a better pass oh, blocker God, than he is a run blocker. Hate him, then. Oh, there you go, right? But like, what is it? It's uh, it's there. It's a good pass blocker, a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker that is willing to give a little as far as like stepping backwards and potentially getting pushed a smidge to get a little and keep the passer safe. You know, and so yep. that to me is like the twentieth to sixteenth best tackle. In or not 2016's best tack, tackle, like on his side, it's average, it's maybe below average, but out of the fifth round, that's great, you know. That's like, a great pick, right? I don't, I don't need a top 10 tackle out of Larry Borum. No, now, um, now and Tevin? I did see someone put in the chat serious question, uh, directed towards me what stops them from being Cincinnati or the LA Chargers next year? Weapons, plain and simple. Who Who is Justin throwing to? Your number one at this moment in time is Darnell Mooney. Who's number one in Cincinnati? Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They're all, I would argue their their third option is better than Mooney right now. Tyler Boyd's a good player. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I mean, both better than Mooney, right? There's, well, and yeah, I, I understand Mooney is the only receiver technically on the roster going into next year or one of only a couple, but that's the point. You can't operate under the assumption that they're going to sign. Like ideally I would love them to get Gallup and Christian Kirk. I think all three of those pieces would complement very well to each other, but I can't just etch them in like, Oh, yep. It's going to be Gallup, Mooney, Christian Kirk as your top three. They got to get off the negotiation table first. Like you're talking about. Right. You don't count that chicken before it hatches. I I hear you. If any, so I, I just think it's too early, obviously, but I just don't. I think next year is going to be a year completely focused on the development of number one. And it, and that's what we have to focus on right now because he's really the only guy that matters because, as we've stated with the instant reaction to this game in, specific, in, in totality and specifically, it went kind of how we all expected, right? The number one seed comes in, they kind of beat you down real quick, and they leave Chicago with a W. I felt like you even beat ourselves. I feel like, Danny, if there's a positive to this game, we kind of already said it, but I'm going to rephrase the way we said it, right? Because we talked about how this one was would be looking for answers, you know? Look, the last thing we want to do is dance on er, dance on schadenfreude on our own team, right? But now, after having seen Fields' game against Pittsburgh, after having seen Fields' game against San Francisco, but I'll bring up a more relevant game, right? After having seen Fields' game against Tampa Bay, which was not good, and nobody would pretend it no. is. I think there was some diamond in the rough there, but the team around Fields, oh gosh, it was bad. And bad. by the end Terrible. of the game, he was playing really b- badly too. But so this game was the Dalton equivalent. This was Dalton in a spotlight. Not against the Lions, and not against potentially Cincy's worst game of the season. Like, Cincy's not a perfect football team by any stretch of the imagination, but that Week 2 game against the Bears is going to be their black mark at this point because they have never looked that poor, you know? But but all that, to, all that aside, we have still seen Fields make, or make better plays and make stronger throws then I think Andy's shown us, aside from that, like, 60-yard gorgeous bomb that he had to Darnell Mooney against, albeit, the Lions. But Andy's best play today was that fourth and three perfect lob falling backwards to Jakeem Grant in straight-up garbage time. That was a beautiful time. play. That gorgeous was a beautiful throw. play. And, yep. and I think the four picks speak for themselves to say, hey, look, Fields isn't playing good, but... Apparently, Dalton, in similar conditions, is not playing too much better over a a big enough sample size to actually make a claim. 
22 points is a lot better than Fields has done. Nobody's debating that. But I feel like the four picks really helped put the Bears into a hole that they could just not climb out of. You know what I mean? Right, and that's fair. I mean, the other positive to kind of jump on what you were saying about Fields is he's clearly learning. The processor is coming along. It's speeding up a little bit. It, but I, the one thing I do want to nip in the butt in regards to him and that. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy like Dalton or anything like that, where the ball is just out, 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 out. He plays to play. He plays to get big plays. Rather. He wants to. He wants to make you pay downfield. Guys exist like that in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger was that way until his body gave gave out on him. Russell Wilson is still that way. There are some guys that just are going to be that way, and you're going to have to live with some of the mistakes that come with it. Like, and that's just, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. It's just sometimes it's going to have its issues. Look, I mean, like you're saying, if we, if we called him like a better, a big game hunter, right? Let's not call him better. Let's, let's just use that profile, right? Big game hunter. Well, one of those won the Super Bowl in, I think it was 2020. Gosh, I, I hate Super Bowl years. The more that I think about him, because I always screw him up. Mahomes. Yeah, is a, because you're always... Yeah, Mahomes is a big game hunter. Mm-hmm. Like, you could even say that by the time he actually turned the Super Bowl in his favor, he had completely forsaken the offense itself and was just hanging in the pocket, waiting for somebody to get open, found Sammy Watkins, found Tyreek Hill. Like, Fields' mold can work just fine. And the Bears' offensive line, they weren't terrible today. Can we – a name I have yet to say on this podcast, Danny, has been James Daniels. Like over weeks and weeks and weeks, James Daniels James has Daniels been has been very good, very good. Like I don't know what kind of extension you'd be looking at, but there's an option there. You you throw an upgraded center, Tevin Jenkins turns into something. You figure out what in the world Cody is and isn't at left guard, so that you can either move on or find an upgrade. Like you can do decent things. It's and to be clear, when I say the offensive line was better. They've been so bad that by better, I mean they weren't completely throwing the game away. I don't know. They, they run blocked decently well. I don't want to give them, like, passing grades overall too many times this season, but this was all right. The trouble is is that the Bears definitely need a talent infusion. They need it in free agency. They need it in the draft, and that's just going to take time, you know? Absolutely, and what theoretically they should do, in my opinion, if you're talking about just the overall team-building landscape of it, they should do the polar opposite of what they've done under pace for years, which is invest a lot of money and talent acquisition and free agency and maybe even a couple of trades if you can do it. Hopefully by trading away some of your older expensive players, like you can probably capitalize on a Robert Quinn season, truthfully, and get something for him. And then invest in young defenders in the draft. That's what I would probably do at this juncture, but you know, that's completely looking way too far ahead into the future. I don't know how much too far ahead it is, Danny. Like, that's, that's I think, the brutal part as we wrap up this instant reaction. The Arizona Cardinals walked into Soldier Field on a snowy day and reminded the Bears that they aren't going to be good tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. it will take some time. I would even tell you with a straight face that I think that there would be real merit towards – taking a 2022 season to pay off all your dead cap, gut the team for what you can get for it, where where relevant, like as much as I know Brandon would jump down my throat, I would at least offer Eddie Jackson around the league to see what he's worth because I love him as a player. But will he be there when the Bears are better? Like I really love Eddie Jackson as a player. I'm just not opposed to trading players that can get you something. Does that make sense? Like a Khalil Mack. No, and I'm, I think you and I are very much on the same page. I don't know if they can even move Khalil Mack because I think that probably hurts them inevitably more than it helps them. But, I mean, if you can get the right stuff for them. A 2022, like, yeah. It's like I, I, everyone who's followed me knows Khalil Mack's probably one of my two or three favorite football players regardless of team ever. I loved that guy in Oakland. I loved him when he was coming out of Buffalo. But at a certain point, you got to draw the line of when, when is enough enough. 
when is it time to just rip the Band-Aid off? Yep. And, gosh, I would love if we could make that decision soon. I mean, I... I don't think everybody needs to be too heavy on locker room culture in a professional locker room most of the time, Danny, but gracious alive. Don't you think it's eating at the players at this stage that they... It's got to, especially when you got that report from Jay Glazer that came out post-Lions game that dudes were coming up to to uh, Matt Nagy and saying it was nice playing for you. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, what? And, and, you know, you say what you want about the Mark Conkle report. Obviously, he – I don't think Mark Conkle was wrong, per se. I think he maybe mis, misdeter, misdetermined his information that he was given is what maybe happened. But <laughs> when you have players going up to the coach like, hey, nice playing with you, man. <laughs> And then, uh, and then he's oh, not fired. <laughs> and but where, but where I was going with that is Jay Glazer doesn't make things up, right? That's not a random. That's not you know Andrew Schultz like saying, "Oh, the, rock, the locker room is completely quit on Nagy." When and then you go look at his bio, it's like, "Oh, he hosts a basketball podcast with Allen Robinson, who who would clearly have an axe to grind with Matt Nagy." That's on that podcast. I mean, let's use deductive reasoning there. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is. That locker room's got to be the absolute most, I, I want to say like destitute wasteland of optimism there is because everyone knows where it's at. It's over with. And I always think it hurts when it comes to these players. Like, granted, we are talking about professionals. Like, Eddie Jackson out there, number four, probably wasn't thinking about Matt Nagy's job. He probably wasn't thinking about even winning the game as he dragged uh, James Conner down at the half-yard line, which is one play that I will bring up because in a game full of business decisions, four was out there playing. And I almost wonder whether he had Twitter on his mind, Danny. That's exactly what I was about to say, Robert, because I mentioned that play earlier in the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> and you know what it, he's never gonna live down that whole thing of anyone can make a tackle and then xavier <laughs> crawford proceeds to show him that not anyone can make a tackle <laughs> you know oh gosh oh that it, one was so it bad. is what it is but you know what i will say of the eddie from first blush actually was good today eddie was did his job Per, mm-hmm. per usual, he's still not making plays because when you know who what he is and what he does, and that the rest of the secondary is, for all intents and purposes, a bunch of hot garbage, you don't have to throw at him. Why would you? Why would you? Artie Burns is out there, yeah. like D- Xavier Crawford. Shelley's out there. <laughs> not Xavier anymore. Crawford. He's not. <laughs> oh, just random names of the secondary. Yeah. I mean, oh, look. My issue, I feel like we can start closing the show up with final thoughts. We've just rambled and reacted now on a very weird Sunday afternoon. But I feel like... We're most of, we're, we really didn't address much of the game other than it was kind of chalk. We kind of just got into talking. That I was mean, it. <laughs> we talked about Xavier Crawford missing a tackle. Andy's four interceptions, I feel like, mattered a lot more than the 20-some-odd completions or the 220 yards or the two touchdowns. Like, the Bears never closed the gap to closer than seven, which was immediately answered with a touchdown the other way. So, right. what's there to say, right? And with the San Francisco game, they took the lead, and then the defense didn't defend it, you know? Like, they're either they did or they closed it to a lot closer than just seven points. But anyways, the, all that to say, this game was a tough one, because we're not talking about positive plays from young players. We're talking about Kmet had a really rough day. Mooney did not have a stellar day. The offensive line was, I don't want to say unspectacular, because the quarterback was rough enough in terms of just overall results that it continued to highlight the scheme issues that we've talked enough about, both on air and in private. I mean, right. it was just, and, and on the other side of the ball, on defense, how mad can I get that Xavier Crawford misses a tackle? I mean, I'm mad at the GM that he's on the team at all. I feel bad for the fact that Sam Mustafer, a starting NFL center, has plunked the ball on the ground 
now four and five times if I'm remembering Dalton picking one up on yeah, the I ground. I I want to say it's five. Like he's kind of like spikes the ball into the ground on the snap. He's a UDFA that became a starting center. No, we didn't add anything else to the position. Is it Sam's fault that he's a UDFA? Right? Is it Kendall Vildor's fault that yes, he's a CB two. He's also a fifth round pedigree. Like that stuff does matter. You know, it's I I feel like we have to hold pace accountable in these conversations. The McCaskies may not, right? But we came into this season with Andy Dalton. Oh, that's, that's all I've been asking for, Rob, when I was at my mm-hmm. little rant of when is mediocrity and moral victories enough? Right. Like, we, you got to hold pace, pace. Go look at Pace's overall track record. The guy is a good draft, a, a good drafter. I will never say otherwise especially when you get past the first and second round. He's one of the better in the league at finding middle-round talent. But his issue, you can't keep leaving the first day of draft with two guys. Well, lucky for you, we only have four picks in April's draft. Oh, God. I'm I'm a draft nerd. How am I supposed to get amped for this? Hey, it's less selections to think about. (laughs) They're going to be good. No, I'm kidding. And I did see someone mention money to spend on the defensive side of the ball and mention the name J.C. Jackson. Be careful what you wish for. J.C. Jackson is sexy. If you watch him on a play-to-play basis, it ain't great. (laughs) It's very, very frustrating. But, yeah, I mean, this is is a wild one. Like, and I agree with anybody talking about because i've seen it a couple times danny i've seen right. it everywhere it's windy city gridiron it's twitter it's everywhere talking about how the worst it's at work part... it's at work in chicago i i work with 13 other bears fans on a day-to-day basis well i have like... never put it this way on my podcast danny there is a point where we the elephant in the room is as simple as saying it doesn't bubble up to pace firing pace puts the ball back in the hands of probably the least capable, like, part of the Bears organization. Is that fair to say? That when, oh, it, comes, when it comes to trusting the McCaskies to select another GM, I do not have much faith in the team that needed a consultant to pick pace out and has, over, or has allowed it to get to where it is. It's not that I hate, 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 hate Ryan Pace. Like, I, just as far as evaluating his job, he does things in a way that only one other organization does. That's New Orleans. And right now they're in the thick of it, to say the least, because they lost their Hall of Fame quarterback talent. And most of the other teams that I can look around and say, hey, how many other teams manage the cap this way? Are teams like the Seahawks? And let me ask you something, Danny. How are they looking this season? Like, suddenly, Russ isn't playing like a savant that's just rising above um, everything else. I would actually, you know, last, the last couple of years in Seattle, we had the the movement against Pete Carroll, let Russ cook. But right now it's looking like Russ might be cooked at this point. Right. Like, it's, he looks like he fell off a cliff. I don't know what happened, but maybe it's his finger? But it's not like before he broke that finger, he was looking like – the Russ we're used to. Yep. Not really, at least. But whatever happens, I just hope that this is enough. And it won't be. But next week's game might be. Because, Danny, as we close up into final thoughts here, because I need yours, it is Packer Week. So welcome to it. Because the Bears go to Lambeau <laughs> this next week. I think it's Sunday Night Football. You know, I'm pretty sure NBC's you know leaving you know, it on Sunday night. You know what the worst part about this is for me? I get married the 11th, right? <laughs> so I get to get off the highest of highs that I've ever had in my life. Literally probably going to be Mary. the best day I've ever had in my life. And then on Sunday evening, I get to watch this. Like, uh, why? Why do I do this to myself? It's NBC like, says you uh, will, and they're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And they're not going to flex it out because they want to just torture me. They want me to go to bed late. They want me to hate myself and just want to gouge my eyes out with a rusty spoon. <laughs> like, 
on that note, I, Danny, what are your final thoughts about the Bears taking on the Arizona Cardinals? <laughs> I'm glad you got a chuckle out of my misery, but Rob. But before I get into one quick story before I get to my final thoughts. Um, when Brittany and I first started dating, she asked me why I watched the whole NFL. And I'm like, well, I'm a Bears fan. She goes, I understand that. I'm a Bears fan too, as is my dad. And I go, cool. Then you should understand that I can't let the Bears just ruin my damn Sundays. So I watched the whole league. (laughs) And, you know, it's just a fun story that I tell people. But um, final thoughts, game one as I thought. I think they're going to get absolutely boat raced by the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams doing whatever he wants in the slot because, you know, Packers, this uh, this coming Sunday. And um, I'm not going to let it ruin my high. I'm going to be coming off, like I said, the best day of my life. So let's go ahead and try to make it competitive, I guess. You know what? Screw it. We'll, we'll go with an outright stupid projection. Robert Quinn breaks the single 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 game stack record. That next Sunday, really just bringing hope to all. I'm clearly saying that tongue-in-cheek. Maybe. I mean, the trouble is is that, like we saw many Thanksgivings ago, Robert Quinn could do that. He could he could sack Aaron Rodgers five to six times, and the Bears could easily still lose 17 to 13. Like, nothing. I don't believe you. <laughs> the Packers' defense is popping off right now, but... It's it's the worst kind of rivalry game walking into this one because we're coming right off of the I own you. I've owned you my whole life. And now the Bears go to Lambeau and we don't know who's playing quarterback. Nor I mean we uh, maybe uh-huh. Aaron, or maybe Allen Robinson will come back like maybe who knows. But I know I'm sitting here looking er, at this game just hoping one way or another the McCaskies get the answers that they need because that is truly the most diplomatic way I think I'm going to get through this week. Like, I, th- yep. I see you nodding, but I feel like if I know George at all, and I don't, not personally, but following George McCaskey gives me the idea that he is going to allow somebody to fully complete their failure rather than assuming that they will. So, so the only question I have for you is, does the rule change in interviews change your mind on that at all? It does. Or, They're just not mathematically so out of it yet. It's that simple. Fair. They're not mathematically out of it yet. Mathematically. They, they technically could go on a miracle run. But. And mathematically, the Cubs can win a World Series next year. They're not going to. But like, they haven't mathematically lost yet. And so, <laughs> I'm telling you, Danny. Well, you're I a think, Rangers fan. You're, you're, you're setting yourself up for heartbreak. I think anyway. it's that so. simple with George McCaskey that Nagy lost today. I, I agree. Big blow. I agree. If they'd lost to the Lions, also a big blow. But they also lost to, and I think they're out of conference, right? Are they? Are the Arizona at AFC? Yes. Thank God. I am... I am so well, no, no Arizona NFC. They're NFC West. <laughs> I am so bad with football divisions. It's embarrassing. No, no, like, I, had, I had to do a double take. Uh, yeah, they're they're NFC West with the Rams, Seahawks, and Niners. But so they're out of division at the very least. We're gonna t- face you know a very close to home opponent in this next week. That let's just say Virginia hates losing to him. You know, but so at this point. I th- I really think it's just a matter of waiting for the end. It's it's about when when the other shoe drops. And I do think to answer your question that that rule change, this is my final thought, will eventually lead to Matt Nagy getting fired. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think I think that's the if, especially if they get embarrassed again where you get an like if you get another Rodgers moment saying I still own you, like nothing's changed in the month that's pass or whatever Virginia, we know the McCaskies hate losing to the to the backers that's nothing new yep I think it's truly <sighs> and this is the worst we, part about where Rob, bears Rob why are we forsaken <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I I hear you. I mean, I really think as awful as it sounds for Bears fans, because truly, I think this is the worst news, right? It is just a matter of time. It's just a matter of the final paperwork getting filled out. It's a matter of, like, the losses that all of us fans know are coming, happening, and just waiting for the end. And I think, personally, that that's got to be the worst kind of ship to be on, right? Like, I would hate right now to be Bill Lazor, John DeFilippo. We're we're like... So his so Negi's staff is literally like the band playing on the Titanic. It's been an honor to play with you, brothers. Right. Just mm-hmm. Going down with the sinking ship. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a weird one. But, Danny, that'll about wrap up our rambling, don't you think? Yeah, I think you and I have gotten our, well, specifically me, which I don't think anyone can blame me. It's been almost two months since I've talked live or on a podcast at all. Mm-hmm. And then people reach out to me and I just, I can't justify it today. I could justify it because we're about wrapped up with everything wedding planning wise. But Damn. Excited like, to get you back on board, by the way. Oh, I'm excited to be back, man. Like, I don't think people realize like when this is part of your like weekly routine of recording on like between Tuesday and Thursday every week, depending on everyone's schedule, like you kind of start using it as a outlet and like you start using it as a way to kind of get in touch with, you know, you guys, Jacob, Brandon, you, you guys aren't just my podcast host. You're my friend. Of course. Like, we do this together. We're all in this together. So, you know, it's good to be back for the first time in a couple, couple two, three weeks. And on that note, <laughs> where can folks find you online? Uh, you can find me on the old Twittering thing. Uh, you can find me at my name, Dan, me in, the number 90. You spell my name, M as in Mary, two E's as in Edward, H-A-N as in Nicholas. And the number is 90. And, you know, um, eventually, I, I promise you, Jacob and I will get that draft cast back up and running. I've said as much to Lester as well. Just this this whole year has been nothing short of chaotic. Controlled chaos, as they like to say in the UFC. Well, you know? I'll tell you what. There wasn't anything quite as chaotic as my Baylor Bears' big victory over Oklahoma State yesterday, which was nothing short of a wild football game. And now that we're over an hour on this podcast recording, I figure I can talk about that even just a smidge because how fun is it watching a defensive goal line stand to win a game? I don't feel like you see that near as often as the offensive like well, especially not score the to go well. ahead. <laughs> Especially not in the Big Twelve, but hey, I mean, and Dave Dave Aranda and his perpetual constipated face will eventually find himself in the NFL. Yes, mm-hmm. he will. Here he comes. Oh, it's. I feel like Aranda has hit the point where, as a Baylor fan, I anyways think that the writing's on the wall, even stronger than it was with Rule. Right, where it's a matter of where he wants to be. Does he want to be an NFL DC? then it's just a matter of getting the right job. Does he want to be an NFL head coach? Then it's just a matter of getting the right offer. Like, I personally, even crazier, I get it, Baylor Homer. I see a guy who is an extraordinary innovator on the defensive side of the football. He thinks about the game the right way. He's very pro fourth down. He's very pro RPO, play action, all the analytical stuff that we would consider quote-unquote basic modern football. If there is a defensive hire, he's probably three years too early for Chicago to think about, and I know that. But I can't stop thinking about it, where it's like he has all the qualities I would want to see in a head coach. He just doesn't have the the resume yet. He's Baylor's head coach twice. You know what I mean? Um, but Absolutely. Like, I, I get it. You can't. I- Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Before I hear people the show for the what we've been been together going on three seasons now, right? Yep. Am I right on that? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows I'm a Southern Illinois grad. I just kind of wanted to give a quick hat tip to my SIU Salukis. Not the best year, but they did make it to the second round of the NCAA FCS, so the championship series uh, playoffs this year. Nick Hill took over in 2016. He took over a four and seven team and he, they're now eight and five in 2021 making it to the second round shouts out to Nick Hill and putting NFL talent into the league like Jeremy Chin and guys like that. So FCS small time team making some noise. There no you dogs. Go. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Keep an eye out, Bears fans, for Bear Bear and Balance. They're all they all have Bear in the name, so I got to make sure I get it right. Right, but Bear and Balance. Or barely tomorrow. a podcast. Listen to barely a podcast. Well, that's just that happened. Something has to happen for that to happen. Okay, that's our emergency news banner podcast. Bear, which that's a great name. So thank you. I think it was Jeff who came up with that one. But so Bear or. <laughs> What is it? Uh, Bear and Balance will be with you tomorrow for a more, let's call it succinct, take on this game. Uh, and then Bears Banter coming up later in this week. Of course, Bears Over Beers going through next week's Packer matchup. That'll, uh, let's call it fun television. Just leave it at that, I guess. But so, until then, you can see, find me and my work on uh, Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz and Run Pass Opinion on YouTube. We're on Wednesday nights. We will go through this behemoth of a game. It'll be a great time. But uh, so until then, Bears fans, thanks for sticking with us. Bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me. 